Hey everybody, welcome to this Board Game Life episode number 24 titled Back in the Game. The show was recorded between December 16th and December 26th, 2012. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is a show where we talk about this awesome hobby of ours, including board games and who knows anything else that we want to talk about. I'm Rob, your host for today, and I'm glad you're back listening to the show. So for this show, we've got a lot of stuff lined up, including uh, 3012 or 3012, however you want to say it, The Great Zimbabwe, CO2, Spellbound, Tahiti, Sobek, and a bunch more. The last two games are games that Wendy and I have been playing, so we'll have her on the show to cover Tahiti and Sobek. Hope everybody's had a good holiday of some sort recently, and hopefully you got some gaming goodness as a gift, or if not, you just bought something for yourself. This is often the time of year that it can be kind of hard to find time to game, but we look forward to it as much as we can, you know, being that our families are all around us, and, uh, you know, that's kind of like fresh meats to introduce people uh, <laughs> <laughs> to introduce people into gaming. And then uh, also wanted to mention, thanks for all the responses uh, that we've got uh, from the last episode, episode number 23. Uh, we've got tons of emails, geek mails, forum posts about people being glad that the show's continuing on. You know, I'm, I'm really glad to see all that because it makes it worthwhile, um, you know, to see that people are enjoying the show. And uh, if you have any comments, criticism, things you'd like to see changed, improvements, you know, just uh, let me know because uh, this is a show that I'm doing it for you guys. So then that could make it more interesting to you guys, you know, just let me know and we'll, we'll see what we can come up with. Also, uh, there's been a little bit of feedback on episode 23 where episode 23 is a little heavy on the gaming detail and uh, I'm guilty as charged. I wanted to try something a little different uh, that I've heard on some other shows where they basically kind of explain the whole game uh, through uh, the show. And in retrospect, this isn't the best approach. You know, I can <laughs> agree with that from the shows that I listen to where it's really, really hard to follow along because you can't see anything. I and mean, if you've never played the game, it's really tough. So this is something that will definitely be scaled back. And, uh, you know, moving forward, I'm definitely going to try to keep that in mind. Then also, we've got uh, a bunch of guest hosts lined up. So things were pretty busy through the holiday season. I actually was hoping to get two shows out in December, but it looks like uh, it's going to be one, or this one here that you're listening to right now. So starting in January with the shows, we're going to start having some guest hosts on. I'm really excited for this. And I hope you are too. So look forward to uh, guest hosts coming up in the near future. Also, with the next episode, there's going to be some changes to the RSS feed. Again, this should be transparent. I've mentioned it, I think, in the last two shows, one or two shows. should be transparent. If you see any issues or whatnot, you might need to go back to the website and resubscribe. Again, also, uh, we're on Twitter. So make sure to follow this board game life on Twitter. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of new followers come on 
over the past couple of weeks and it's really awesome to see everybody. So it's T board game life. This is something that I check regularly throughout the day and, uh, you know, do posts, do pictures of games that we're playing and, and all sorts of stuff. So that's something that you might want to check out if you're on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, then make an account and follow T board game life. Okay. So there's been a whole bunch of uh, feedback for the show, uh, episode uh, 23, and also to Wendy's question on why people board game that she posed uh, last episode. So I'm going to go through some of the feedback real quick, uh, if that's possible here. Then we'll get on with the games for today. So the first one is from Carl G. Carl G writes in, Hi Rob and Wendy, great show. I am sorry to hear that Jeff is gone, as I know you will greatly miss sharing your hobbies of both board gaming and podcasting with someone that shared your interests so deeply. However, I really appreciated the dynamic that Wendy brings to the show. While Jeff brought a wealth of knowledge, Wendy brings something even more valuable, in my humble opinion, and that is the non-gamer wife's perspective. I know there's many out there that are in my same situation in that my wife is my main gaming partner, either the two of us or with friends. And if she doesn't like a game, it'll probably rarely get played. I feel Wendy will help me discern whether my wife will like a certain game that you will talk about on your show. And some follow-up comments to solo gaming. Now, real quick, uh, Carl G. wrote a really awesome comment uh, that we played last show, so this is a follow-up to that. He writes, I didn't mention in my last comment, but I don't consider playing a game or a partial game to learn it as solo gaming. When I first receive my new games, I read through all the rule books and think them through and make sure I understand them. Often I will look through the components or set up a game if things are vague. Then before I actually play these games with other people, I will again take it out earlier and go over the rules and gameplay again so that the gaming experience will go smoothly and so that I can determine the quickest and best way to explain the rules. My wife also isn't the most patient when it comes to rules explanations. For me, this is not solo gaming because I am playing through it for the bigger purpose and not simply to have fun by myself. For me, I equate this type of solo gaming with me physically going through basketball drills before I implement them at practice or with me preaching my upcoming sermon out loud to myself in my office to hear how it'll sound on Sunday morning. I can't imagine the gong show that playing a game, preaching a sermon, or implementing a drill would be without this previous preparation. And in response to Wendy concerning Rob's weird hobby, I think any hobby can get out of control if it's not kept in check. I think my hobbies of board gaming, and BGGing for that matter, and watching sports can cross over from relaxing and enriching hobby to compulsive obsession quite easily if I'm not careful. I think we always need to evaluate how we spend our time to see if we are keeping a healthy balance. I think being aware that board gaming or watching TV, cleaning, etc. can get into an unhealthy point is important to guard oneself from unhealthy behavior. Anyway, that's all for me now. Thanks again for another fun show. Happy gaming, Carl G. Hey, thanks, Carl, for that uh, good follow-up. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Carl, because I believe uh, I had mentioned that I like to go through the motions and kind of learn a game. But technically, yeah, that's really not solo gaming. That's 
you know, just learning a game. Very good point. Okay, then next one is from Miguel. Miguel writes in, regarding solo gaming, I enjoy playing games that are meant to be played solo, such as the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game or Mage Knight, as well as many co-ops that work fine solo, such as Ghost Stories, Pandemic, etc. They are best when they have an actual win condition, such as curing the diseases or getting to an objective. Other games, such as Agricola, are reasonably enjoyable solo, but only to see how high of a score you can get so I find them less compelling. Board games are typically seen as a multiplayer activity, but it doesn't have to be. Lots of people play Solitaire, the card game, for example. Uh, gaming on an iPad against AI opponents is also pretty much the same thing as solo gaming for all intents and purposes. As an activity, I'd say playing games meant for solo play feels similar to doing a jigsaw puzzle, which engages the part of me that enjoys problem solving and challenging myself intellectually. I don't really see why there should be a stigma at all, although I find playing an entire game as multiple players in order to mimic a multiplayer experience way too cumbersome to be fun, so I would never do that except a few turns to learn a game. You know, Miguel, uh, you, you have a really great point there. It is very, very cumbersome, let alone... Uh, it's hard not to cheat because you know what you just did in your last turn. Okay, Miguel, thanks uh, for that feedback there. Okay, next one is from Coset. Coset uh, writes in, I wanted to add that I enjoyed Wendy's contributions a lot. My wife is my main gaming partner, and she isn't quite as into the hobby as me, but she plays. So it was fun to hear Wendy articulate why she does and doesn't like games and how some of them could be overwhelming. I say to keep her on as a regular during reviews together or her own little segment about gaming from her perspective he thanks for that feedback there uh we are pretty much planning to have uh wendy on you know do like one or two games you know she enjoys certain games and not others so we'll definitely continue that on and uh thanks uh thanks for that feedback okay mark m writes in just wanted to chime in and say i really enjoyed this episode primarily due to the addition of wendy my wife is not a gamer or probably should say a somewhat reluctant gamer. So having Wendy's perspective lines up nicely with what my wife's views would likely be. She also came across as a very nice, vibrant person with opinions, however, and made this much more listenable to me. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for that feedback. I'm glad you enjoyed having Wendy on the show. And uh, I know she's been really excited to hear everybody's feedback She's definitely lined up to do some more shows. In fact, uh, we've got two games later on in the show. All right, thanks. Now, last show, Wendy had asked a question on uh, why people play games. So we got a bunch of responses, and I'm including some of them here. So Keith Jones writes in as to why do we play games? That's a tricky one to answer. It's partially the intellectual exercise of it, facing an opponent across the table, partially the sheer enjoyment of when you see how the game hangs together or does something in a way you've not thought about. Partially the immersive quality of which a game possesses where you're packing it away and realize that you've been playing for a few hours. Board Game Geek also helps in that you know that you're a part of a larger community which reflects all tastes and opinions, but we still meet together over a board. Pieces and some rules 
and produce sheer enjoyment for all involved. Okay, great. Thanks so much for that, uh, for that, Keith. Okay, we've got Carl G. again. Uh, Carl G. writes, To answer Wendy's question, there are many reasons why I play board games. Number one, I enjoy intellectual challenges and competition, and there are not very many ways to do that outside of board gaming. Also, board gaming has a creative and explorative side that other intellectual activities, like, say, doing crosswords, for example, don't have. I love how board games don't have the right and wrong answers, but simply different ways to achieve a goal, and those are often multiple successful paths to discover. Number two, I simply like to play actively. How many leisurely activities are out there that fall into the play category that are not physically active and yet also social? Not many. Number three, it's an activity I can do with my wife and friends. I like having people over for supper or coffee, and I love just sitting around and chatting and getting to know people, but consistently what will happen until we get to know a couple really well is I will end up taking or talking with the other guys and my wife with the ladies. Board gaming is an activity that we all do together, which everyone can get into. Also, if you are getting to know a couple, which is something that happens quite often for me as a pastor, board gaming can be a nice thing to do while conversing, as considering the game is a welcome way to deal with awkward silences that often happen when getting to know someone. All right. Hey, uh, thanks for that uh, input, Carl. You know, you bring up a very good point there because... You know, when people are getting to know each other or, you know, people are getting together like as, uh, you know, a group or whatnot, there's so many times you get that split where you get like the little groups of two, three people. They never split the entire night. They always sit there and they hang, you know, maybe they're in their comfort zone. You know, gaming is a great way to get everybody involved and it's easier to make friends that way maybe. Well, unless somebody's a poor sport, <laughs> maybe then then it won't happen. All right, Mark M. writes in as to Wendy's question about why board gaming. For me, it's first and foremost a social activity. I would rather play a game than watch TV with family or a movie with friends, etc. Yes, it's fun for the competition, but for me, it's more about social interaction. I do love the variety of games and mechanics, which keeps things interesting for me, but realize for most of those people that I play with, it's more about doing something fun. Don't even get me started how I think the proliferation of electronic Wi-Fi devices is ruining social interaction, but I see board games as the antithesis of that. Thanks, Mark. Okay, next one is from Miguel again. Uh, regarding why game, there are a couple of reasons. I enjoy having an activity which forces me to think. I enjoy learning game rules because I find it fascinating how game mechanics can come together to form a play experience. I love delving into a game system and figuring out how to make the most of it. I love that with the exception of solo gaming, the game experience further develops into a social experience when you sit across a table from other people. It's amazing the impact this has. A game changes dramatically based on who you play it with and when, etc. In fact, some games are literally nothing without human, the human factor. Many negotiation games like Cosmic Encounter, Intrigue, Pit, etc. are mechanically less interesting than the sum of the experience. It's an opportunity to get together with people and socialize. 
as opposed to getting together and watching a movie where you don't actually talk to each other. Hey, that's some very, very good points. And uh, thanks for that, Miguel. All right. Hey, thanks so much for everybody that wrote in. You know, there's a couple that I didn't get to. Sorry about that. Uh, it just, I mean, we're already 20 minutes into the show, so I don't want to make this uh, show too long because uh, I'm going to start going on and on about the games here. Here we go with the games. Okay, the first game for today is going to be 3012. This is a game that just was released not too long ago by Cryptozoic in 2012. It's a game by uh, designed by Charlie Tyson. It's for two to four, plays in about 60 minutes, and uh, is for ages 15 and above. So what this is, is it's a card game. It's a deck building game that actually comes with a board. It's a, it's a fairly good sized board and it does a little bit more than, you know, a board game or a card game like Ascension has because it also comes with the board, but because this board also uh, has a score track on it. So this game is where there's five clans. There's a Jaguar, Snake, Monkey, Gar, and Bat clans that are fighting it out uh, for supremacy, I think in the Yucatan or Yukon or something like that. Anyway, uh, so uh, they're fighting for supremacy. Uh, You build your deck of cards uh, to fight encounter cards, and you build up experience uh, on the score track. And then uh, once you reach the top of the score track to the exalted position, the game's over. Everybody adds up their points. Uh, from their cards, and uh, you see who wins. So the components in this game, there's, uh, you know, a a fairly good-sized box. You know, it's kind of like your typical um, sized box, maybe a little bit taller than a ticket-to-ride-sized box. Um, The components are pretty colorblind friendly. Artwork, very muted. Yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Very muted and... The thing that stands out the most is, oh my gosh, this type on the cards is itty bitty. It is teeny tiny. Need Give me a magnifying glass, tiny. And I think, you know, when a lot of people will be playing this thing, you know, they're going to be, you know, like hovering, you know, their their butt's going to be hovering in the chair as they're trying to like read, you know, what the text is on the cards. So, uh, you know, outside of that, uh, you know, it, it's pretty decent. Uh, there's a 14 page rule book that is, uh, it's a reasonably good read. Um, a lot of, I mean, the whole thing's like black, kind of blackish, dark colored thing and, uh, not very colorful. There's not really any examples of play, but, uh, there, there is something interesting in there where the first four pages of the 14 pages is, uh, kind of a backstory. So, you know, that's kind of interesting for people that like to read that kind of stuff. So the goal of the game is you basically try to score the most renown in the game by uh, building your fighting deck. Now, uh, there's a, a couple of mm, nitpicky things I have about this game, and that's uh, I had a really, really, really hard time with this game. It just, I, I just could not remember. I'm like, wait, what am I supposed to do? Um you know, I, I can do what next? Because, you know, people kind of say it's it's a mix of Thunderstone and Ascension. 
and it's got, you know, some elements of both, but you know, it's not a copy of either. And the, the thing that I kind of had trouble with is like, okay, in Ascension, you know, you can, you know, kind of mix, you know, buying and fighting, you know, where, you know, you don't, it's not like Dominion where you have to do your actions first and then you can buy it then. So you can kind of mix stuff. I had a, a really hard time with this for some reason. I, I didn't read the rules prior. It was taught to me. So maybe that had something to do with it. I, I would say, you know, get a sense of what this game's like by reading the rules before you, uh, before you try this game. And I, I, you know, I don't know if it was just me, but I had such a hard time with this thing. So you build a deck, uh, you know, in your hand, uh, in fighting, and you have a, kind of an interesting little mechanic too, where when somebody fights one of the, uh, uh encounter cards, you can use one of your cards to either aid or, or basically you're, you're fighting with them or against them. So, you know, you can kind of help them out or you can go against them. So, you know, if they, cause there's a little dice that you roll. So if you roll a die, uh, you know, they might need to roll a higher number if you go against them or whatnot. But, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. And, you know, it can also build uh like a vendetta <laughs> between players. Like, you know, you didn't help me last time you went against me or that's another thing too, you know, where, you know, if somebody is fighting and then people choose not to help them, it's like, you know, which is worse, not helping or going against, or is that the same thing? So that's kind of an interesting little setup. It's a game uh, that I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I definitely would play it again. Hmm. I think I would recommend it with reservations. Maybe, you know, kind of check it out before you actually, you know, go ahead and buy it. Because, I mean, it it is so different. Would your average deck building fan like this? It, it, it's really hard to say. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very mixed on this game. You know, I definitely would want to play it again. You know, after having played it... Uh, now, you know, would I just go out and buy it? Probably not. But uh, I, I would give it another shot just because I don't know if I gave it, a, you know, if, if I gave it a fair shake just because of the hard time that I had with it. That's uh, 3012. The, the next game that I want to talk about is The Great Zimbabwe. So this is a game that was just released this year in 2012 by uh, Splatter, Splatter Spiel, I think is their name. Uh, so Splatter released it, and it's by uh, Jerwin Duoman and Yoris Wiersinga. I hope I said those right. So this is a game from uh, for two to five players. takes about two hours to play, which I'd say is probably right on, and it's uh, 14 and above, and uh, that's probably right on too. So this is... Uh, this is a an interesting little game. It's very much like Tigris and Euphrates, at least in my eye. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has ever made that comparison. I haven't really paid that much attention, but it's an interesting little modular board game that grows based on the amount of players that you have. So you know, the more players, the bigger your board is, and that also makes it a, a different experience too. So it's a modular board game. Uh, where basically you're playing as tribal leaders in Africa, trying to please the gods by building monuments. 
Yeah, what a nice description, huh? So, um, you know, this game comes in a, you know, a rectangular box. I'd say kind of similar to what you find uh, GMT games in. And uh, the components on them are, are pretty darn good. I mean, really nice wood pieces. The chits are pretty good. Uh, colorblind friendly. I, I thought I threw that in because, uh, you know, I, I'm colorblind. So I, I like, you know, this is something that's always on my mind. <laughs> Because <laughs> it also makes a game unplayable if it's uh, really, really bad. And uh, the artwork on it is um, very African. Take that for what what you will. I mean, it's it's got nice art on it, uh, you know, like what you would, uh, you know, picture uh, African art to be. Uh, the, the boards are, you know, pretty nice. It's got little water areas and little land areas. You know, it's pretty nice. The rule book, nine pages, um, you know, somewhat colorful. I don't know if it's that good of a read, but, I mean, it, it's to the point. And there's really no examples of play. So this is something that, you know, if if you're one of those people when, kind of like how I am sometimes, where I kind of need to see a video to learn a game, yeah, you might want to check out uh, a couple of the videos that are out there that kind of explain the game. So when you play the game, there's four phases that you play over and over until somebody wins, basically. Uh, what you're doing is you're building monuments and to collect resources. And it's got this interesting little setup where you're hopping. You're hopping from resource to monument to monument to resource. And, and there's certain costs that are associated with where you go and you know whose resources you're using and and whatnot it's it's a moderately easy game to pick up um it really really helps if you have an experienced player also if you've played tigers and euphrates you know that that'll probably help you out a little bit I, you know tigers and euphrates has that that weird like internal external business going on there's nothing like that really but when you see this game i mean it you know, it really, really reminds me of Tigers and Euphrates, and, you know, it might remind you of that, too. One thing that's kind of also interesting about this game is that, you know, you have a certain uh, victory point goal that you have to win the game, and it's not the same for everybody. That's because as you take certain abilities in the game, that changes what your end goal victory point number is. So if you get something that's really ad advantageous, you know, it'll bump your victory point up, your, your victory point goal up. If you take something that isn't too advantageous, it'll still bump it up, but maybe just like a little bit, maybe just like a point or two. Whereas a piece that, you know, the, the one that is very helpful to you, it might bump you up a couple of points. So that, that's kind of an interesting mechanism. It's something that I don't, I don't know if I've seen it anywhere else. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it definitely makes the experience a little more interesting because it gives you a, another aspect to kind of consider. It's like, well, you know, I really want this, you know, ability that is really awesome. It's going to help me out a lot, but hey, you know, I'm going to make the game a lot harder for myself. So, you know, this is a, a pretty fun game. It's a new take, I think, on Tigerson Euphrates. It's got great components. That's some of the cool stuff in the game. 
Now, the downside to this game, it's expensive. I mean, it's up there. You know, there's, I don't know if there's that many copies out there, but I mean, it's, it, it's pretty expensive and kind of hard to get. Well, unless you want to pay a lot of money. Uh, you know, kind of final thoughts on the game. Is it fun? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I got a little brain burned in there, you know, just because I was trying to figure out, you know, this is one of those, it's, it, it's kind of a, a brain burner initially as you're trying to, you know, soak everything in because, you know, of the weird hopping mechanism for the resources. If you watch any of the videos, you'll, you'll see what I mean. I really enjoyed this game. I would recommend it if you got the cash and if, if there's an availability, it's something really meant for hardcore gamers. You know, I wouldn't show it to your, you know, six year old son or, you know, try to get your, uh, you know, father-in-law that, you know, doesn't play games. You know, that's not the best audience for this. It's really meant for hardcore gamers. You know, I, I think it uh, can be a lot of fun. That's a great Zimbabwe. Next game, CO2. So this is a game just recently released um, here in 2012 by uh, Stronghold Games and GOCX. So uh, Stronghold brought it here to the U.S. It was designed by Vital Lacerda, which also did uh, Vinos. I think that was released uh, like two years ago, one or two years ago. So this is a game for one to five players. Takes about two hours and uh, is for ages 12 and up. And I'd probably say that's right about on two hours for this game. And this is a, a board game. BGG has this listed as area control game. Um, okay. I'm not really sure what to classify this as, but okay, I'll, I'll go with area control. And uh, with this game, you're basically the CEO of an energy company uh, where you're working to build uh, green power plants, I guess, as opposed to blue ones. You know, green like... Uh, the uh, conservation and stuff. So green energy uh, power plants, uh, you're building those across the world. You're trying to meet energy demands of the different regions over the decades without allowing too much pollution. Basically, you get too much pollution, everybody dies. The components in this game, they're pretty good. comes with a, a really nice big board. There's a lot of chits of uh, different sizes to go all over the place. Uh, a lot of uh, little discs, little pawns, which are scientists. I mean, the, the quality of the game is, is pretty darn good. The rules, man, these things are a tough read. Uh, that's all I'm going to say on it. There's a, a fact on uh, Board Game Geek that is uh, nice to read also. <laughs> uh, artwork on it, the best way I can describe it is a little trippy. It's uh, very, like, colorful, cloudy-ish. You know, it, it fits. I mean, it, it definitely, like when you think pollution, you think power plants and stuff like that. I mean, it, it all works. It all it all definitely works. So the rule book is about 10 pages, and uh, it's a pretty tough read. You'll probably have to read it over a couple of times. You'll need to refer to it while you're playing, because uh, we definitely did. The game is uh, played over a couple of decades, and uh, there's a number of turns per decade, you're basically, again, building green power plants, trying to keep the pollution in check and trying to meet energy demands of the different areas. As the different areas like North America, North America needs a lot of energy. So you 
you know, you have to build a lot of power plants over there. If you don't build green power plants, the country is just going to go in and they're going to build some kind of polluting smog creating power plant because they need the energy that bumps up your global pollution level. If it gets up too high, it's all over. It's all over for everybody. Everybody loses literally in the game. You control scientists and you basically put the scientists around the board and the scientists help you to uh, propose, install, and then construct projects, which are uh, power plants. There's a couple of different kinds. There's uh, forestation, solar, cold fusion, biomass, and recycling. And then you can also move your scientists onto summits where they uh, kind of like exchange knowledge and they learn which then helps you on this uh, uh, expertise track. There's an expertise for each of the different uh, power plant types. And then uh, once you bump up your expertise, you can do different things like build or get money or technology and good stuff like that. This game is really hard to talk about (laughs) on a show to kind of give you an idea here. I mean, there's, this is such a heavy game. It's such a deep game that I'm, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to scratch the surface on it just to give you kind of an idea of, of what it's like. So is this game easy to pick up? No, but it's worth it. Sit there, learn the rules, watch the videos, do yourself a favor and watch the Richard Ham video. He did an awesome video that explains this. Vital uh, Lacerda also did a a series of videos. They're kind of weird. If you watch them, you'll see what I mean. Uh, The Richard Ham video is awesome. Check it out. You'll learn the game by watching him with that. So this game is, it's a game that I played. And, you know, I was kind of going through the motions, just kind of like, just trying to take everything in because there's a lot of stuff to the game. There's a, there's a lot of different components or a lot of different actions you can do because there really is nothing set for you to do, like do this, this, and then this. You have options. You have a couple of actions where you can choose one from and then everything else, you know, you can do all of those actions. And I found myself kind of just like, just trying to soak it all in, like, you know, how does everything relate? You know, I need this and this and, you know, that'll help me. And I can't get that other thing until I get these. But once you kind of like sit there and you have this like little eureka moment and you go, wow, this thing is cool. I have a little analogy to this and I'm positive you won't hear this anywhere else. <laughs> Picking up this game is kind of like doing a hundred crunches. Okay. You know, like those sit up things, it's really hard work. And when you get started, you know, you're kind of struggling through it, but when you're done, you're like, yeah, that was great. You know, I feel awesome. Let's do it again. Well, maybe not everybody's like that, but you know, in some cases I am, but that's kind of like what it is where it's slow going just cause you're so overwhelmed by everything. But then you're like, wow. This is a good game because when we finished the game, I was kind of like, not quite sure what to think. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is awesome. 
This is awesome. I got to get this game. So is this a fun game? Yes. And I really, really enjoyed it. Would I recommend it to people? Of course. Absolutely. Again, hardcore gamers. This is not for the faint of heart. You know, and it's, you know, if you're going to sit there and learn it and teach it to people, it's watch the Richard Ham video. Show it to your, you know, buddies that are uh, hardcore gamers and everybody's going to love it and uh, have fun. I mean, so CO2, fantastic game. Love it. So the game's a little hard to get a hold of right now just because uh, a lot of places are out of it. But uh, Stronghold is going to be getting some more copies in January. So in the next couple of weeks, they'll have a restock. And uh, it, it is the same edition. It's not a reprint, so it's not a second printing or whatnot. Look for it then. So that's CO2. Okay, Spellbound. So Spellbound is a game that was released this year by the Fragger Brothers. Or uh, not Fragger Brothers, the Lamont Brothers from Fragor Games. So it's Gordon and uh, Fraser Lamont. So it's for one to four players, plays in about an hour or so, and is for 10 and up. So this is a, it's a really unique, I guess, to, to put it nicely, deck building uh, board game where you play uh, a bunch of mages uh, recovering books and trying to defeat witches. I guess that's, um, yeah, that's the <laughs> description of it. So, you know, what you get with this game in its huge box, it's a very tall box, is uh, you get the uh, figures. You get the figures that the Fragor games people are known for. So these are really ginormous uh, little figurines that are, I guess, all hand-painted or whatnot. Now, uh, I'm going to be kind of upfront about these where, you know, a lot of people love these things. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I I don't know. I I just don't care for them. Uh, I don't like these kind of knick-knacky things. But uh, these figurines are all hand-painted. They're huge. Out of this huge, massive box that the game comes in, there's a fairly large game-sized box inside of it that actually holds all the figures. And, you know, they're all wrapped in bubble wrap and and whatnot. So part of the setup time is probably to get them out of this box because I doubt you'll have them clanking around inside the uh, actual game box. You'll probably want to put them back in its little uh, white uh, cardboard box which has all little compartments for them all. I mean, other than those figurines, there's uh, some acrylic stones. The board looks okay. You know, the cards are, are decent. Again, did I mention there's a massive box? <laughs> I just won't let up on that, will I? Uh, the rules for the game, I mean, they're decent. There's lots of arrows. If you actually look at them, you'll know what I mean. There's a lot of arrows pointing at everything, which is kind of nice. The artwork, mm, not my kind of thing. People that like the Fragor, you know, style games, you know, they might like it just for the, you know, figurines. Yeah. So the rule book, 24 pages. Uh, it's pretty colorful. It's got lots of examples. So I think that the game is probably pretty easy to pick up just by the rules. Uh, goal of the game is to, you're, you're these mages and you're going around and you're trying to 
I guess, rescue these spell books that are going down these tracks. And you do that by pushing them all the way to the end of the track before these witches catch them. Now the witches are cones. They're wooden cones. They're not figurines like everything else. And the books are these, I mean, they're nice little, a book with a face, (laughs) you know, where the book is like up and down. Anyway, look at the pictures on BGG. You'll see what I mean. So what do I think of it? It's laborious, not too much fun. You're sitting there like grinding away. It's a little bit of a chore to play. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I'm not being too kind to this game. I, it's been said in the past that I kind of love a lot of games and I, uh, I'm not very critical of games. I guess this is one of them. I wasn't, too big of a fan of Poseidon's Kingdom, and I guess this is another one. So it's uh, two in a row of their games that I re- didn't really care for. It's just, I, th- to me, the game wasn't fun. I mean, I was really waiting for it to end. I was just like, oh, come on, please. You know, I know this is like this third turn, but please end soon. <laughs> but, you know, we, we played a full game. The guy whose copy it was, he asked me, he's like, so, you know, what do you think? And my response to him was, sell it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that's kind of what it was. I mean, basically, you're going around and you're collecting these cards in your hand. And you can do different things. And you can move your character, for, you know, into the different regions. And you can push the books down before the witches get them. And I mean, it was just, it may as well have been an abstract. I mean, the pieces were just huge. I mean, they were just huge. It was kind of stupid to to play the game. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, kind of like final thoughts. I didn't care for the game. I, I would not recommend it. You know, I know this game is like impossibly hard to get, you know, like 150 bucks on up for these copies you know, if if you absolutely need a collection of Fragor Games' games, you know, you know, have at it. But uh, you know, I, I did not care for this thing at all. It just wasn't fun. So uh, this is a definite skip for me. Moving on, uh, we're gonna bring in Wendy, and we're gonna talk about Tahiti and Sobek. All right, so we've got two more games to review uh, for the show over here. So uh, for these final two games, I'm going to enlist the help of my beautiful wife, Wendy. Hey, everybody. I'm back. Thanks for the positive reviews. I really appreciate it. Um, So I'm glad to be back. She's back by popular demand. Thanks. All right. So uh, let's get on with it here. So the first game that we want to talk about is a game called Tahiti. This is uh, a recently released game by Minion Games designed by David Witcher. So uh, this is a game that just hit the stores, uh, I'd say, probably in the last week or two. It was a Kickstarter game. Uh, It was up on Kickstarter earlier this year, and it successfully funded back in June. So it's uh, hitting the stores. Uh, It's a game for two to four players. plays in about 60 minutes, and the age range on the box is 13 and up. So what this is, is it's an entry-level pick-up-and-deliver game, almost like a gateway game. And basically what you're doing in this game is you are going in a series of islands. You live in a central home island. and you Are we are lost going... on the island? No, we are not lost. Okay. That's for the TV show, <laughs> you guys that have, that have ever watched it. 
you, you have a home on a central island and you're going out to islands uh, nearby and you're bringing back foods, all sorts of foods like bananas and... The typical? Yes. Taro and oh, spice. Taro. And, uh, lots of good stuff. So you're... And fish too. So, uh, you know, as you play the game, you are exploring the islands and these are six-sided tiles that you're laying out. So the game board is ever expanding. You're moving these little boats around. Moving boats and picking up food. Exactly. And bringing it back. And what's interesting about this game is that, and I've never seen this in another, in another game is your canoe has a bunch of spots on it. It's got five spots. As you pick up goods, you put the goods on those canoe spots and if you load up your canoe, you're actually limiting the amount of actions that you have. So that's kind of a, a neat little mechanism that really makes you kind of think on what you want to do. You drive me nuts with the mechanisms. Yes. I call it mechanics, like the majority of the gamers here. Yes, mechanics, like mechanism the people that fix your car. Mechanism sounds like an, <laughs> a science. About procedure. I don't know, but okay, mechanism. Procedure. Okay. We're a little silly tonight. Yes, yes, we are. Okay. And, uh, you know, actually a couple of things too on a little side note that I wanted to mention is that uh, the game comes in a nice little box. It's about eight and a half inches, nine inches square, which is a really nice fitting on the shelf because, you know, a lot of games are much larger than that. So it, it takes up uh, very little space on the shelf. Which means there's more room for more games on the shelf. Absolutely. Bonus. <laughs> yes. And uh, a couple other comments real quick on uh, the component quality. The tiles are really nice double-sided uh, uh, full-color tiles. They have some really cool, almost like, uh, what would you say? That's like a tiki? Yeah. Tiki I think it's art. very whip, woman, women-friendly. It's, you know, light colors. It's pretty. You know, some of the games are more dark and not like I care about the theme, but since we're talking about the box and the colors, I just thought I'd chime in. Oh, for sure. From a woman's point of view. Oh, for sure. And uh, you do get a, a, you know, there's there's a lot of cubes that come with the... A lot. Yes, a lot of cubes that come with uh, the game. And I was initially concerned a little bit because, uh, you know, in the past, like Kingdom of Solomon, the cube quality always wasn't the best with minion games, but rest assured that the cubes are normal, uh, I don't know, Euro-sized cubes, you know, typical thing that we're used to. And there's uh, also another thing about the tiles, too, is they came out nice and clean. Nice and clean? Why nice they and clean. No, dirty? they're not dirty. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, sometimes when you have the tiles, they're really hard to punch out, and they tear. Oh. You know, like one side of it separates or delaminates. These came out so clean. I was like, yes. But, oh. you know, not too bad where they're just falling out as soon as you pick up the the, the tile sheet. Uh, and the one thing I want to mention, too, is the insert is a little annoying. It, it's kind of, you know, the typical insert that runs down the middle. It's made out of uh, cardboard, chipboard, whatever you want to call it. And it kind of gets in the way because the tiles don't fit in there. But I was reading up on BGG that if you make these little slices... Uh, you know, with like an X-Acto knife or some kind of blade or something, you can fit the uh, the tiles in real nice. And I did do that, so they fit real nice. Details, details, oh, details. Absolutely. That's 
That's what everybody wants to hear. <laughs> okay, so, you know, you know, again, about the game, you know, you're going to the different islands, you're bringing back goods, and the playboard that you have is also kind of neat, too, where it helps you count or helps you score. And, uh, you know, that's something you can check on BGG because there's numbering. So if you look at, you know, you, you put in, let's say you put all your bananas in, you put six bananas to the right of the last banana. It tells you how many you have, which is how many points you have. So that, that's pretty neat. And we've played this game a couple of times uh, with uh, two and four persons or four people. I really enjoy the game. I, I like pick up and deliver games. Now, I think so, it's important to tell them, you know, that you have to randomly in the beginning choose a set or a tile piece, which tells you the two foods that you have to pick up in order to score. Yes. And that's really so, important to know. Yeah. So one of the tiles that you wind up picking up in the beginning of the game is you get a tile with two different foods on it. And those are your favorite foods. And you get a bonus at the end of the game if you have either the most or the second most of that particular food. So you're basically, you know, on a mission to go to the tiles that have your color, which represents your food. And also the fish, um, those are minus points. um, Initially. Initially. So you're, you want to get your food as well as knock out some fish tiles. So you're kind of know where you're trying to go. Because of the tile that you have in your hand. Right. You're, you're looking to juggle a couple of different things. You're trying to get your favorite foods. At the same time, you're trying to get, because there's five different kinds of foods, you're trying to get a bunch of all of them because there is a bonus if you have, you know, a minimum of, let's say, three of each particular uh, food. You get five extra points, for example. And that's what and, I did. Um, that's what I focused on. I was focusing on trying not only to get what I needed to get, but to kind of spread my supply so I would get the bonus. And I think maybe I focused too much on trying to get the bonus versus my foods. Okay. And that was a different strategy for me. And I think that's where I might have fell short. Yeah, very possibly. And one thing also in my first game is I went crazy with the bananas where bananas were one of my favorite foods. Yes, I was going bananas, folks. So I think I got around seven or maybe eight bananas. There was a lot of bananas. And then then when we were scoring it, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of a waste. You know, because, you know, I even though I got so many bananas and I got, you know, compensated point-wise for all of those, I kind of lost out because I didn't get enough of some of the other ones, which would have given me possibly a higher bonus. So, you know, there's a couple of things you got to keep in mind. And again, the interesting thing with this game, kind of like the little twist is you got that canoe where you have four rowers on there and you have five spots for, um, for goods. If you cover up the rowers, you limit your actions. So this is something that people kind of got to wrap their head around, I think initially, because, you know, if, if you load, let's get, you know, let's say if you load up your canoe and you put three goods on there, you know, at this point, instead of four actions for that turn, you know, you're down to three. Or if you put four good cubes on there, you're down to two actions. 
which makes the game very this is where you know several of us struggle through the game is keeping track of our turns you know it was like we weren't sure how many had left and it got kind of confusing when you had some goods on your boat you didn't deliver them yet and it was like, how many do I have left? Yeah, everybody it's, kept asking me, like, how many turns do I have? So it was um, that part was confusing for me, I guess. But or how many actions, rather, not turns? Right, exactly. Yeah. And everybody's like, you know, how many actions do I have? Well, you know, you moved, you picked up the food, you picked up the food, or you harvested. So you know, you have one left, and I don't know. I I I thought it was okay, but it, you know, for somebody that's particularly like just getting into these, it might, you know, be a little bit of a, a learning curve to them. Okay. And then uh, one other thing that was kind of neat to going back about the components part is that uh, there's a, uh, a pouch that you get with the game and there's at least 20 different kinds of pouches. So in some respects, every game is unique to a point. Now you're not going to go buy another 19 no, different games. Okay. No, I'm not going to collect all of them. Okay, that's Sorry, good. sorry to say. Although, you know, do, do you want me to cuz I might. I wear that as an accessory <laughs> or something because for it to sit in a box. This could know? be your your purse. purse. Yes. Exactly. Cool. You can't carry much in it, but you know, what are you going to do? Well, I have you in your pockets. Yeah. So, um what are your closing thoughts on this game? Well, it was um Great quality. Had no problems with the quality. As far as playing it again, probably would not. I'm not really into picking up food and delivering it. You know, you're kind of you're set on the two goods that you have to get. And, you know, you can kind of figure out throughout the game what everybody's trying to go towards. Um, I like more of a surprise at the end. Um, here, I mean, it was just... You know, you're so moving you, you prefer, and picking up stuff. So you prefer when the scoring is more or less hidden until the end and you have no idea where well, anybody's at. Well, like the at. thrill of, like, what card am I going to get next? Or just more thought process. I, I just thought this was boring. Is it, you know, this game is more out in the open because you can see everybody else's board. You can see kind of, you know, like, maybe, like, what they're trying to collect. Um, but I think that's part of the game also where... You know, if you see somebody is loading up on bananas and that's your favorite food, you need you, you right then there know. It's like you got to get on the banana wagon and start collecting them. But at the same time, you need to collect what you need to collect, which may not be bananas. So you got to decide what you're going to do on your turn. Are you going to waste your time maybe trying to take all these all these person's bananas or go for what you need? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess it's all about strategy. Um, I got, I don't know how many I've played as far as this type of game, pick up and deliver. Um, is, I think this but was we first. played a lot with goods and different right. things and I just, um, tend not to find them as exciting. I don't know. Just lack of surprise. I like to have something to look forward to at the end of the game and for it to be more of like calculating your numbers and you like to have blah. somebody steal the game away from you. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but I, I initially, the first time I played it, it was okay. Um, but after, I just would not prefer to play it again. That's just yeah. my opinion. Now, for me, I really enjoyed this game. I thought it was uh, a lot of fun. It's a very light game, you know, so if you're looking for a, you know, 
downright, you know, mean, nasty, you know, brain burner. This is really not it. And that's not really the intended audience for it. But uh, I enjoy the game. It plays fairly quickly. Uh, it's light. It's fun. Um, the component quality is excellent. It's colorful. And, you know, I, I do recommend it. You know, might not be the game that you want to take to your game group because, you know, they might be bored by it. But this is something that you can definitely use to introduce somebody into uh, playing the pick up and deliver style of game. And chances are they'll probably like it. So I'm the odd chance? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah. All right. And uh, if you do pick up this game, uh, there's a thread out on BGG where people are posting the different bags that they have. And so far, I don't think that there is a duplicate bag that's come out. Cool. Yeah, take a picture of your bag and, and <laughs> post it up there. I actually posted uh, you did not. ours on uh, Did Twitter. you really? Yes. Oh, my God. Hey, I, what can I say? Wow, we have too much time <laughs> in our hands. I'm, I'm, I love components, for sure. All right, so that was Tahiti. Okay, the next game that we want to cover is a game called Sobek. This is a game uh, released by GameWorks recently, and I believe Asmodee also has a version, or they're somehow combined. It's a game by Bruno Cathala. It plays two to four people, uh, ranges about 40 minutes or so, maybe 30. Uh, I'd say about 30. Yeah, about it's 40 seems a little too long, but you know, time might fly when you're having fun. And uh, the age range on it is 13 plus. So with this game... Uh, it's also, by the way, available on uh, Yukata. So those of you that uh, you know are on there, you can give this game a shot, although I don't know if that's a good representation. It's kind of takes a little while, to, almost too long to play on there. I'm having fun. That's a new one I was able to play on Yukata, so yes. I was excited. Yes, that's, that's always a, a plus when you find a new Yukata game, at least that you like. So uh, what this game is, it's a little set collection game. It comes with a whole bunch of cards, which uh, can be um, expected from a Bruno Cathala game. You get a game board, which is a a really nice double-sided fold-out game board. It's got uh, three pieces, so it's probably maybe like two feet long when it fully expands. Really cute art. Yeah, it's got uh, some uh, Egyptian... On the back. Oh, yeah, the back. It says so back on it. It's got some of the cool art characters, yeah. And uh, it's got on the front uh, kind of like a a serpentine shape, uh, which is your scoreboard from zero to 100 and a bunch of like, you know, Egyptian shapes on there that are part of the game. So what you do in this game is you lay out your cards, which are a delivery. Uh, You lay out the cards next to the board, nine cards at a time, and players take turns taking cards from there and you build sets of cards they range from wheat to cattle, uh, ebony, ivory, marble. I think it's all of them. Ebony and ivory. <laughs> yes. Aren't you glad I'm Flashback. not in the entertainment business? Flashback. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love that song. So you go through and you collect those cards and you can play them to the table uh, three at a time minimum and you keep building them. And the trick to this game is you do your set collections and there's these little scarab markers on each of the cards so that if you let's say you put down three cattle if there's you know one card that has two markers on it and another card that has one in your final scoring what you wind up doing is this is kind of weird when you first do it 
is uh, you add up the scarabs and you add up the amount of cards that you have. So in this case, it's three and three, and you multiply them together, and that's your score for that particular set. So you play this game through. Uh, you get all your deliveries in a two-player game. You get five deliveries in a three- and four-player game. You get uh, six deliveries of nine cards each. And uh, at the end, you score and you move up the track on the game board. And to kind of mix it up a little bit, there's uh, a series of these uh, characters. There's like a thief and like princess and a whole bunch of guys, right? Yeah, some some other characters. Egyptian I'm not guys. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they also give you some special abilities. You can, you know, let's say... It might have a, like the card might, the character card might have a symbol of a cattle on it, but it has a, a special, you know, character ability. Like uh, you force your opponent to discard down to six cards and you can steal a card from them and, and so forth. And it, it's a cool little game. Um, oh, and I left out the corruption pile. This is the doozy. This is the thing that always gets me really good. So when. Uh, you don't use up all your cards at the end of the round, and there's three rounds in a game. All the cards in your hand go in your corruption pile. And the the real zinger with this is that, let's say if you score 65 points, if you have more corruption than your opponent, then there's a penalty because for every 10 points that you gain in that round, you go 10 symbol, or I'm sorry, you, you go uh, that many spaces back on the score track. So if you score 65 points, you go back six symbols of whatever symbol you're standing on, you know, whether it's a snake or a scorpion or, or whatnot. So there's been some times where I've had some, you know, pretty decent hands in the round and I score a lot of points, but at the end, you kind of get hosed with the corruption pile, and then, whoa, you're you're way, way back there. I think the first game that we played... I, I won. Th- oh, you just annihilated me. You had like 170, and <laughs> I had like 60, 70 points. It was mm-hmm. every hand or every round I wound up get- losing points because of the corruption. Also, there's uh, t- tokens that you can pick from. If, when Once you lay down a set of cards you get to choose from um how many tokens is there there's 12 total there's some that are duplicates but there's a couple like you know take everything under your um corruption pile put it in your hand or right and i was able to there's actually one which um can hurt your opponent which is um how many points does that make the uh the tile with the black jar on it Oh, that counts as two corruption cards. Okay. So it, I would take that also and give that to Rob, which also helped me win at the end. Yeah, because uh, I don't have a problem finding corruption under my uh, under my little corruption scarab. I, I do that plenty fine on, you know, on my own. <laughs> we live in Chicago. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we live in Chicago, uh, sort of known for its corruption over the past. Right, we're so proud know, of that. Yeah, X amount of years. So, uh, you know, what are your uh, thoughts on this game? I actually really liked it. I liked the characters. 
The only thing I didn't like is on the character cards, there's no description. I mean, they give you some kind of picture or arrow. I don't know what that means. I need English. Yeah, okay? it would really have helped so, to have some kind of player aid. Yeah, I mean, it should have had something on some print on the card. So I had to keep looking at the, you know, the guidebook or print out, you know, guides for people like me who can't remember each game, what they stand for. Um, that was the only thing that was a little irritating, but I just liked it. I mean, it was, I, I liked, you know, collecting the cards and getting multiples and putting them out. And I don't know. It was very, I just liked it. I don't know. Yeah. What kind of game is this considered? Set collection. Set collection. I really like set collection. Yes. Um, yeah, it's fun. We're big fans of card games, I think, as a whole. Yeah. So set collection. I believe this is also your first set collection game that we've played. Moving up, moving up, learning All right, yeah. different types. And, uh, you know, I enjoy the game also. It, it's fun. It's a light game. Uh, plays fairly quickly also. And this is something that I think can definitely be taught to uh, new players. Uh, it's something that I've played, uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of times on Yukata. And I think I've actually mentioned it on the show uh, back when we first started earlier this year. It's something that for me is really brutal to play on. It's brutal to play on Yukata just because of the way that the turn structure is ordered. Because you take a turn and then, you know, you grab one card and then you have to wait for the other person to grab a card. And so there's nine cards per uh, delivery and, you know, five or six deliveries. I mean, so it's a lot of turns. And if you're playing with somebody that isn't on Yukata regularly, oh man, that, I mean, that is going to be a long, 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 long game. Although I think, uh, Wendy, you've had some luck finding some people on there that have played almost real time. So you just go back and forth, right? Um, yeah, at least like, you know, one or two games, but it is, cool. you know, it's hard to have people accept the invites. It's not a very popular game. Right. But I mean, with every game, you are waiting for somebody to take a turn. I mean, is this any more brutal than, you know, Finca or, you know, you're always waiting for somebody to take a turn. So Yeah, true enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I enjoy it. I just don't think a lot of people enjoy it. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's very popular. Yeah. On that. And it's a little bit of an older game, you know, because a lot of people like the newer games because this game is three years old now. And uh, I also want to make a, a comment on the game where it's got a fantastic insert. So the box is, you know, it's one of those uh, small boxes, very similar to Jaipur or uh, about the size of, uh, uh, what is that one game? Um, in Fantasy Flight, uh, the Space Marines, Death Angel game, uh, similar to that. And the insert is just amazing. I mean, it's got uh, little engravings on it. It's got a, the perfect spot for the cards. There's uh, four little spots that hold your little wooden markers that you move up. I mean, it, it just, uh, GameWorks really knows how to do these things amazingly. And, you know, they did it fantastically with Jaipur. So if you've seen that one, it's uh, pretty much the same thing. Cards are really nice cards. Got the linen finish on them. Uh, you know, top-notch production on this one. And uh, the game's fun, too. So that's a, it's a win-win for that. Yes. Try right. it out. Try it out. Oh, yeah, definitely. And if you played it before and, you know, you might want to revisit it because uh, it's a fun little game worth the try. All right. So that was Sobek. All right. So moving on to our game lust section, there's a couple of things that I, I wanted to mention for this show's game lust. 
The first one is a game called The Manhattan Project Second Stage. So The Manhattan Project was one of my favorite games uh, released within the last year or two. It was a really surprise hit for me because it was done by Minion Games. It, it I don't want to say it didn't have like a huge amount of buzz, but it kind of just, at least for me, slid in under the radar. And then when I played it, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I got to get it. And I did. You know, I've taught it to a bunch of people. I've played it with Wendy, and she loved it also. And, I mean, it was just, it's just a fantastic game. So they came out with the Nations expansion, which kind of, you know, adds a little bit of a twist to the game. But there was also a uh, Kickstarter for... Uh, the Manhattan Project second stage expansion. So this thing uh, had just closed back in September. So just a couple months ago, it had a $5,000 uh, goal and it hit almost 40,000. So they did fantastic with this thing. This is a game. Um, this is done by Brandon Tibbetts and it includes a couple of small expansions that can be added to the game either individually or you can kind of mix them up you know to you know play with several of them at once so there's nations two so this works sort of similar to the uh, earlier nations expansion where people get one card to represent a country and they get some kind of special power then there's rocket technology and here i'm going to read this to you that allows you to build a rocket factory when taking the design bomb action Rockets can replace bombers for an additional cost, or they can destroy an opponent's building. Hmm. And then there's H-bomb technology, which upgrades the design bomb action, allowing the players to return two available bombs to the bottom of the deck in order to acquire an H-bomb card to build an H-bomb. However, the player needs lithium uh, deuteride, which comes from new cards that work similar to mines. Now, I'm a big fan of Manhattan Project, and I just found out about this thing. I don't know how this just slid under the radar for me. I'm so glad it got successfully backed, and uh, looks like we're going to be seeing it in January or February of 2013. And I'm really excited to get a hold of this thing because, like I said, I, I love Manhattan Project so much. On a, on a quick side note, they also just started a... Uh, another Kickstarter a couple of days ago, at least as of this recording, for a 4X game called uh, uh, Hegemonic. I keep wanting to say Hegemonic, but it's Hegemonic. I'm a big fan of Minion games because of Manhattan Project. Uh, Kingdom of Solomon's awesome. Tahiti that we just covered on this show is awesome. So I'm actually looking forward to this one as well, and you might want to check it out. So that was... Uh, a big surprise for me, Manhattan Project, second stage. Next one I want to talk about is Revolver 2. So this is a game that I've talked about a bunch on previous episodes, probably going back two or three shows ago. I've got it sitting on my desk finally, and it's staring at me. It's screaming at me to play it, and I'm, I'm telling it, I'm like, I got to record the show. I can't play it right now, but I took a sneak peek at it earlier, and it looks awesome. The card quality on it's fantastic. I'm really excited about this one because I really loved Revolver. Revolver was one of the most thematic games that I've played, at least uh, Old West thematic games. 
So this is a new game. You know, we talked about it before. Go listen to the old shows uh, to check that out. And we also had uh, some responses from Lee Capel, the co-designer with Mark Chaplin. He uh, wrote in uh, to one of our shows. I'm really looking forward to playing this thing, and uh, I'll definitely cover it on the next episode. Another one is Ginkgopolis. I keep on wanting to say Ginkopolis, but it's uh, Ginkgopolis. So this game looks fantastic. So it's it's like a city build, building game. It's got tile placement. It's got cards. Richard Ham. I, I keep mentioning him this episode for some reason. He did an awesome tutorial video on how to play this game. This game is fantastic. I mean, it looks awesome. It's one of the stragglers from Essen. It hasn't uh, made it to the States yet. Uh, it's by uh, Xavier uh, Georges. He, this is the guy that did uh, Twa and Carson City and uh, Tournay, the follow-up to Twa. I, I can't wait to check this thing out. I mean, it looks amazing. If you haven't seen anything about it, take a look. Do yourself a favor. Go to Board Game Geek. Watch Richard's video. You know, I think you'll be sold on it. I, I almost wonder, because I was thinking about this earlier today, I'm like, is this thing, Spiel des Jahres, worthy? I'll have to save that judgment for once I finally play it, but based on what I've seen, I think it might be. And then another one that I'm really, really looking forward to, and I've been kind of tortured by this one because I keep seeing stuff on BGG about it, and it's not available here in the States yet or at least anywhere near me, and that's Robinson Crusoe Adventure on the Cursed Island. So this is a game from Ignacy Truzusiek. I'm sorry, I, I know I butchered that. But uh, this is uh, the person, the designer that did uh, 51st State, Preda Porter, Stronghold, and a whole bunch of Nurushima stuff. This game looks really cool. It's got beautiful art, cards, it's a cooperative game. And everybody plays a scenario. So they're going to be releasing new scenarios. I heard something about like scenarios being released on the internet. And uh, Portal constantly posts stuff on uh, Twitter, on their Twitter about how they're testing stuff. I'm really, really uh, curious to see how this game plays. It's a really big game. There's uh, two really good video tutorials on this game. Again, Richard Ham. Richard Ham came through again with another pretty cool uh, uh, video of this thing. And also there's another, uh, I don't know how well-known this guy is, but uh, he's called Lonesome Gamer. So he does uh, multiple series videos, and they're all about like 45 mi minutes each. And he's done some fantastic ones. You know, the Robinson Crusoe one isn't too long. I think it's three, three videos. So it's not too bad, but he did some... Uh, Pretty cool ones like on Thunderstone Apache Leader. Did I say Thunderstone? Thunderbolt Apache Leader. And uh, a couple of other ones. You might want to check those out. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, this looks like it's something that's definitely up my alley. And I really like the whole scenario business. And just the whole part of this thing being like a really big looking game. That's really, really appealing to me. That's it for Game Lust just go through and do some final thoughts on everything. We talked about 3012 earlier. This is a game that I had a really hard time with just grasping like what I could do. I definitely would play it again. 
but I want to make sure that I got the rules, you know, firmly grasped. Yeah. Um, kind of need, need to see where it goes after, you know, a couple more plays. I mean, it's, it's definitely not a solid, you know, stay away, but it's something that's kind of like still got my interest peaked a little bit. And, you know, I just want to see if there's, you know, what more lies in this game, the great Zimbabwe. This is a really cool game. I keep saying it's like Tigerson Euphrates. It's like, actually, I'm going to say it's like Tigerson Euphrates for the new millennia. I just wish it was a little more affordable, you know, at like a hundred bucks or whatever it is that it's going for. You know, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens with this thing. Uh, CO2 by uh, Stronghold and GeoChiX. I don't know. I just like saying GeoChiX for some reason. I really like this game. It's sold out in most places. Uh, you'll have to wait until January before you can get the next stock. If that's any indication of you know what recently just happened to it, you know, grab a copy quick because it'll probably sell out again, and understandably so. I really enjoy the game. It's a tough game to learn, and I don't mean it's hard to learn. It's just it's going to take a little bit of work. But you know that's what makes this hobby a little fun. You know, when you learn that game, you get a sense of achievement. So uh, CO2, I definitely enjoy it. I definitely want to play it again. Spellbound, um, yeah, 170 bucks a copy in the BGG marketplace. Uh, no thanks. I will definitely pass this one. I, I did not care for it. You know, if you like Fragor games, games is games. You might like it. Um, I'm just not a fan. Sorry. Tahiti by uh, Minion Games. It's a really awesome little pick-up-and-deliver game. Entry-level light, you know, it's not anything near like uh, CO2 level or Great Zimbabwe level, like hardcore gamer games, but it's a lot of fun if you want to introduce people to what pick-up-and-deliver games are like. This is a perfect game to um, introduce them with. I like the art. It's really cool. It's got, it's very colorful the whole like South Pacific tiki art to it. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. Wendy wasn't as much of a fan as I was of this game. Um, she always makes reference. I don't remember if she talked about it in the show here is uh, I'm recording this a uh, couple, maybe like two weeks after we did our Tahiti recording. You know, she always makes references to, Oh, another game with cubes. <laughs> so she's, she's not a fan of the little wooden cubes. I love them. So uh, Tahiti, I enjoy it a lot. Really cool game. Uh, you might want to check it out. It's a nice small box and a lot of fun. And then finally, there's Sobek. This is uh, a fun little set collection game from uh, Bruno Cathala. Production on this game is fantastic. I love the insert. I mean, everything is molded really nice. They did a fantastic job on the insert and the little box. And it's a fun game. It's a really, really fun game. It's also on Yucata, but it's a chore to play on Yucata just because there's, it's like, okay, I choose a card. Okay, I can, now I got to wait a day for the next person. Okay, they chose their card. Okay, it's my turn. It, it just takes forever to play a game. If you're online at the same time as somebody else where you can more or less play in real time, sort of, you know, by just taking turns one after another, you know, then that's a different experience. But, you know, if you've got one of those people that just, sign in like every couple of days then uh you know this it's going to be a, a painful game uh sobek 
Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Wendy's a huge fan of this game. If you haven't uh, given her a shot, you you might want to. Again, it's a, a little set collection game. Nothing too deep. Nothing, and I, I can't really call it a filler. It takes a little bit in a filler game, but you know it is a fun game. That's Sobek. Okay, so that concludes episode number 24 of this board game life. I hope you enjoyed the show. I had a lot of fun, you know, playing the games for the show, and I had a lot of fun recording it. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Make sure to check out T Board Game Life on Twitter. If you're not a Twitter member, why don't you join Twitter and follow T Board Game Life? So that's something that, uh, you know, I try to stay pretty active on and do a couple posts a day. It's really fun to check it out. Also, we've got a guild on Board Game Geek. So next time you're on Board Game Geek, come on in and join the guild. Then uh, there's the This Board Game Life website. Uh, I post regular pictures on there, uh, you know, at least one per show I'm trying to do now. And you can check out the pictures that I've posted for the different games that uh, we've talked about on the show. And also there's a new widget That is on every page on the right-hand side where you can leave a voicemail for the show and get yourself heard on the show. You know, hey, do a response to, you know, questions we asked on the show, you know, do it on voiceover there or leave feedback or or whatnot. It's just an awesome way to uh, be, you know, be part of the show. And uh, I value your feedback. You know, I uh, have made some changes to the show based on, you know, all of the, great comments that we've gotten on episode 23. So I'm no longer going to be like a dictionary and read off the rules essentially of how to play a game. And, uh, you know, I hope that makes for better listening for everybody. Again, uh, this is this board game life. I'm your host, Rob, you know, thanks everybody for listening. Also, if you've got an Xbox, make sure to check out this Xbox life, our sister show at this Thank you and good night.